Welcome to Core Conversations. My name is Kaylee Kukla, and I've spent more than a decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my professional knowledge and experience and combining it with real life, not just theory, to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations and practical tools that will inspire you to get to the heart or the core of your child's behavior and make simple yet impactful changes. Hello and welcome to my very first podcast. I'm so excited you're here for this conversation. I wanted to start off this podcast just by introducing myself so that you can get to know a little bit about me and who's behind the mic. So in order to do this, I'm going to model a practice that I think is really important for parents who wish to become more intentional, more respectful, more gentle, more conscious. And that is becoming more aware of our story and the impact it's had on us. Now, why is that so important? To explain this, I really like to use this Brene Brown quote. Dr. Brown says, you either walk inside your story and own it, or you stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. And so what does this mean? This means we either walk inside our story, which just means to understand ourselves. We understand our past experiences help shaped and mold who we are today. They've installed a filter in us. That's our perspective for how we see the way the world works, other people, our own actions and our own identity in relationship to others. Once we start acknowledging that our experiences impact our current ones, then we can start intentionally picking up the helpful pieces of this, the helpful filters, the helpful responses, perspectives, and mindset shifts. And we can rewrite and heal from the parts and the experiences that no longer serve us. So much of our ideas of worth, of our worthiness, of our value in this world come from our early childhood experiences. And let me just say first and foremost, in full transparency, this is what one-on-one therapy is great for. So finding a helper person, a mental health professional who can help you unravel and just kind of make sense and organize these experiences and these thoughts and these perspectives and all that good stuff. And I think it's really important that we share our stories when we're comfortable, when it's right. We share our stories with each other, with safe people, so we can start normalizing a lot of our experiences. And we can also relate to one another, which helps build awareness around our own experiences. Huh. If you had that experience and it turned into this for you, 
I relate and identify a lot with that. So maybe I should spend some more time thinking about it, reflecting on it, because maybe that'll help me better understand my current experience. And so that's really what I want to do for you today. I want to give you some pieces of my journey that I'm comfortable sharing with you so that you can, one, get to know me, but two, maybe you'll relate to some of these pieces. You'll relate to some of my story, not all of it, but some of it, and that will help you make sense of your own story and your own experiences. Maybe just raise that awareness to how that impacts your current experience as a parent. And my third intention for doing this, in addition to just you getting to know me and maybe you being able to relate some of the pieces of your childhood, is by bringing awareness to that, we can start figuring out, okay, what were the helpful adaptations, the helpful behaviors that I had as a child that no longer serve me and may actually be harmful or hurtful, and maybe getting in the way of my current relationships. And then we can work to effectively change them. But we can't change what we don't know is there. We'll just stay on autopilot and we'll continue to use the same behaviors, the same perspectives, the same filters in reaction to what's currently going on. And maybe our behaviors aren't indicative of the person we wish to be, those core values that we hold so dearly. So if we want to change our behavior to be more in alignment for who we aspire to be or the core values we hold most dear, we've got to be willing to reflect so that we can raise awareness around our past experiences and how they influence our current ones. So a little background about me. And we'll just launch into the story. So a little background about me. I went to school for child development. I graduated with a bachelor's in special education and then got a master's in early childhood. I was a live-in nanny, a babysitter, part-time nanny from the time I was in high school through grad school. So I got the comment a lot, especially when I was pregnant with my first, that you're going to be so prepared for motherhood. And I agreed. I thought I was super prepared for motherhood. In fact, I went into motherhood super cocky. Like, I know what I'm doing. I've got this. Everybody makes it look so hard. For me, this is just going to be easy peasy. This is what I was meant to do. But here's the thing. I knew a lot about children and I knew very little about myself. (laughs) So I went into motherhood not really knowing who I was, and it's really difficult to step into this new mother identity when you don't even know who you are to begin with. And my first warning sign should have been that first pregnancy. I did not handle pregnancy well. I didn't like it. I was actually pretty resentful towards being the one that had to be pregnant, which was just where I was. I have a different perspective on it now, but I was definitely in that space when I was pregnant with my first because I slowly lost control of my body. 
you know, you're so much when you're pregnant, so much of your body's resources, their stamina, the strength, uh, goes to sustaining this life. And so, you know, all of a sudden the foods that I ate on a regular basis were so unappetizing to me. And I started craving food that I didn't want to eat. And then, you know, I had to start modifying workouts that I had previously done. And I just, I didn't want to do it because so much of my value, my self-worth was on my strength in the gym. And so just changing that really bothered me. So all of these things I didn't realize was my need for control. I was slowly felt like I was losing control over myself and my world. And because of my past experiences that I'm going to share with you, control was absolutely the way I would deal when things felt overwhelming, when they felt scary. That was how I pacified my fears was through this illusion. Hear me when I say it's an illusion of control over life. So pregnancy started pushing me over the edge. And then after the birth of my son, totally went over (laughs) because I don't know if you've had this experience, but man, we try so hard to like control those little babies and they just let us know that they are their own person, their own being, and they cannot be controlled. We can set the environment for sleep. It doesn't mean they're going to sleep. We can offer them the boob. It doesn't mean they're going to nurse easily or that nursing is going to be easy, right? So there are all these things that I just felt like totally unprepared for. And I felt out of control and feeling out of control did not feel safe. And we're going to come back to that point. But fast forward about a year to my son's first birthday. And I realized, hey, I need to figure out some discipline strategies because now he's older, he's moving around a little bit more. And I just know from my teaching background that, you know, it's important to be consistent and have a plan for approaching behaviors. So I picked up a parenting book that had been given to me and it condoned, it supported spanking. Well, I knew from my schooling, my education, that spanking was not for me. I knew that it wasn't an effective teaching strategy. Kids didn't learn when they felt like they were under the threat of punishment like that. And it actually had all research points that it has a lot of detrimental effects. So I knew spanking wasn't on the table for us and I threw this book away. So then me being me got on the computer and I started Googling a very academic term called developmentally appropriate parenting. And all that developmentally appropriate means is that the practices are in alignment with the child's development. So spending the day, you know, on and off as much as you can with the toddler in between naps and bedtime and all that good stuff. I spent the day searching through Google scholars or research papers, blogs, websites, and I stumbled upon Dr. Becky Bailey's conscious discipline approach. It made sense to me. I immediately embraced it. I totally nerded out on the brain research. I went down that rabbit hole. And then the executive function support, which is where all good behavior happens. It just made so much sense to me within the structure of my child development backgrounds and how children learn. So I started practicing those parenting strategies. 
I'm from, you know, the time he was a year old, he has been conscious disciplined, but I didn't understand or realize I was not aware of my own stuff, my own triggers, which made composure and regulation extremely difficult. I was saying all the right words, but I still felt like I was barely holding on. I could hardly handle it. I call this white knuckling gentle parenting. As a reference to a term, white knuckling, when we're talking about addiction and sobriety. So white knuckling refers to people who are in recovery and they're dry. So they're not drinking or they're not using their substance, but they don't have a plan. They don't have support and they don't have practices built up to support their sobriety. And it's typically, statistically speaking, it's extremely unsustainable to stay sober that way. So I can grit my teeth and I can do it kind of, but emotionally you're a hot mess. (laughs) I often use the visual to describe this as a duck floating on a pond. So the duck looks like it's smooth sailing on the surface. But if you were to look underneath the water surface, you see their little feet going crazy underneath, just trying to keep them afloat. And that is exactly what it felt like for me. So I was able to go through my son's second year of life, doing conscious discipline, being a gentle parent, and doing really well at it despite my extreme dysregulation. And then I got pregnant with my second. And shortly after my second son's birth, I hit my breaking point. So it just so happens that my second son's entrance into the world also coincided with some intense family hardship from my family of origin, so my parents and my siblings. I realized these relationship patterns with my family of origin had a huge impact on my current experience. So if we back up to Brene Brown's quote that I shared in the very beginning, I realized that so much of that duck feeling of me paddling (laughs) on the surface, barely staying afloat, was from my early childhood. I was not living inside my story. I was so unaware of the impact my previous experiences were having on my present experiences that I was constantly hustling to prove my worth, to prove my value as a human being. And it was just absolutely exhausting. So what do I mean by that? Because this is the part that I think that sharing my story and linking my past experiences with what my current experiences are, when you relate and you start just being aware, this is when the magic can happen. This is what I want you to get out of this podcast today. This conversation is made possible through my core membership program. If you want to dive deeper into parenting questions, connect with a like-minded community, have access to a huge database of workshops, guidebooks, and weekly Q&As with me so I can answer all of your parenting questions, all for less than $20 a month, go to 
www.kayleekukla.com backslash core to learn more. That's www.c-a-l-e-y-k-u-k-l-a.com backslash c-o-r to learn more. It's also linked in the show notes. Now let's get back to our core conversation. So a part of my story is that I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. I was raised in an alcoholic household. When you start studying your story and learning these things about yourself, you may find others' experiences or words that help just make sense of what you felt as a child. Because oftentimes we don't have the words, especially when we're young, to describe what we're feeling. So one of the vocabulary words that I learned to describe my experience was the sibling roles in a house with an alcoholic. And one of those roles is the hero. The hero is the perfect child. We hold it all together. We get good grades in school. We strive to be the good one all the time, best behavior. And we rescue everybody. We take care of everybody. And I'm the oldest of four siblings. Well, four children. So I have three siblings. And I absolutely stepped into that role of the surrogate mother and taking care of my siblings. And I learned that from a very early age, that was my role. I managed not just my siblings, but also my parents. I took on everybody's emotions, everybody's emotional stability. I tried to keep the peace and solve all the problems from a very young age. So what this did to me, what happened in my head was thinking, I've got to control all of this. If I can control my grades, if I can control my behavior, if I control how you're feeling, how you're feeling, if I can control how I'm feeling, I've got this. This is what feels safe as long as I'm controlling everything. That's exhausting, y'all. It's just exhausting. So now translate that into my parenting experience. I've got to control everything to feel safe. Well, as I shared in the very beginning, my pregnancy and my son's early infancy showed me really quick that we can't control everything. It's impossible. Another belief that I had developed out of my early experiences that I carried into adulthood was I have to prove my worth based upon what I accomplish and what I do and how productive I am. That's what makes me valuable to the world. Well, as you can probably imagine, as a new mom, you don't feel very productive because most of your day is spent just keeping a tiny human alive. And I say that kind of tongue in cheek because that's a huge job. That's <laughs> a huge undertaking, but we don't necessarily have those benchmarks, those productivity signs that we can point to because it's like, well, somehow I did laundry nonstop, but the dirty clothes bin is still full and I've changed and bathed the baby twice today, but there's still poop and they still smell like sour milk and I don't know where it's coming from. And right. It's just like this vicious cycle of feeling like a lack of accomplishment. And when we're tying our self-worth or our value to how helpful I am, how productive I am, all of a sudden we feel worthless. 
when we don't have anything to point to. So what that does is it leads to an abandonment of self. Everyone else's needs comes before me. I need to fix you. I need to keep the peace. I need to do this. I need to take care of you. Show that I can do all of these things to be helpful while neglecting myself. Not only is this exhausting, but it really sets us up for mommy martyrdom and burnout. So as you can imagine, motherhood really brought this into just the spotlight. And I could no longer ignore these perspectives and filters and mindsets and sense of identity that I had had and I had developed in my early childhood experiences that just simply became unsustainable during motherhood. And then they led to behaviors that did not align with who I wanted to be as a mom. I was impatient and ragey and anxious and always on edge and not able to be present and live in the moment and enjoy my children. And children, by the way, are masterful, right? They go at their own pace. They're just masterful at being present in the moment. So that's when I realized as I started understanding my story more and I started seeing these threads that connected my past experiences to my current experiences, I've got to unlearn this. I've got to unlearn my current way of thinking and then I've got to relearn a helpful way of thinking. So yes, that helped me and that served me. That did keep me safe as a child. It no longer serves me. I don't need it anymore. I can put it down. And maybe there's something in your childhood, maybe you're already saying, wow, you know, this sounds a lot like my people pleasing tendencies, right? Maybe I was the child that it was just easier to say yes, because I didn't want to deal with my parents' big reaction. Or maybe I was never allowed to show emotions because my parents just couldn't deal with it. They became so uncomfortable. They'd always try and keep me happy. And so now anytime there's any kind of conflict or uncomfortable feelings, I just try and keep the peace and I just shove it down and I try and keep everybody happy. That's exhausting, right? We can't control how other people feel. So there's so much of these common threads and areas of opportunity where we can say, you know, that doesn't serve me anymore. It's actually exhausting and overwhelming. I can put that down. We can get really clear on what do we ultimately have control over? And the answer can only ever be ourselves, (laughs) our responses to situations, our responses to people, our course of action. And letting go of what we don't have control over, with which if you're like me in control for so long has been your coping mechanism, your way of soothing the anxiety, feeling out of control can feel really unsafe. It can feel really scary. And that's okay. Recognizing first, wow, this feels scary. And what are some ways I can help myself feel safe? Well, I can focus on what I can do, what I can influence. I can help myself regulate. I can reach out for support. There's that plan so I don't feel like I'm white knuckling. We can also validate ourselves, our experiences, our own self-worth. When we realize we don't have to prove our self-worth, we are worthy regardless of what we do, how much control we have. Our feelings are valid because then what happens when we start validating ourselves and showing compassion to ourselves, we all of a sudden can recognize those feelings in other people and validate them. And then the other piece 
that sometimes doesn't come up enough, I think, is learning how to play and rest. Because if you've hustled continuously to prove your self-worth, maybe you have a little bit of this mommy martyrdom, which I certainly had in the very beginning. I thought as of play and rest as, well, kind of a waste of time. I could be doing something more productive with my life. So to illustrate this, I'll share a story of when I realized that my self-worth was absolutely tied to my productivity. Because in the beginning, I was like, no, I have a great self-esteem. I do think I'm worthy of things. I don't understand why you think I have a self-worth problem. And my friend asked me, she's like, well, do you have trouble resting? I'm like, yeah, I do. I feel like I should be doing something when I sit down and rest. And she was like, okay, so if that's not self-worth, what is that? And I said, well, I was just, I always feel like my time could be spent doing something productive. It's more valuable that way. Aha, there it is. It's starting to pop pop up. And she goes, well, rest is productive. And I was like, rest is lazy. (laughs) And she goes, no, think about, and she used a physical analogy with me, which makes a lot of sense because I work out a lot. It's a big part of my life. And she goes, well, when do you get stronger? Do you get stronger during the workout or do you get stronger while you're recovering from the workouts? And because of my knowledge of exercise science, I know that when we work out, our muscles actually are broken down and the recovery is when they repair and get stronger. And all of a sudden, then it clicked. Rest is so important. Play is so important. And we are worth resting and playing, not because it helps us be more productive. That's a bonus. Simply because we're humans. And as a human being, we are worthy of stepping into how we were meant to live, how we were created to be, which includes rest and play. We are worth it. So doing these things, all from just exploring my childhood and reflecting on that and bouncing ideas off of people and working with a therapist and hearing other people's stories and reading and learning the language all helped me figure out these pieces of myself, connecting with myself, my wants, my needs, validating myself becoming more aware of the filter that I use to perceive other people's behaviors and impacts. All of this was incredibly impactful for how I related to my children and responded to my children. So much of this podcast is going to be about our children and their development and their behaviors and how do we respond to things? What do we do when... Because I know those are all like practical tips that everybody wants. I feel like I would be remiss if I ignored the importance of what we're bringing to the situation. Core means it's centered on relationships. And there are two people in the relationship. And if I'm being perfectly honest, there's really three people in the relationship. There's your inner child, there's you present day, and there's your child all at play. And so much of our work for most of us really is reparenting ourselves, showing up and being the parent that we need in that moment and showing up and being the parent our children need. And quite honestly, that's what makes it so exhausting. 
But I am so passionate about spreading this because I have felt the freedom of letting go of what I cannot control and seeing my children blossom when I give them appropriate control of their lives, what they can handle developmentally. I don't try and over control them because I am so confident in my ability to handle things and their ability to handle situations It frees me of the pressure of assuming responsibility for every single thing, every single day for everyone and gives me permission to focus on what I ultimately am responsible for. Raising this awareness in the very beginning can be very difficult if we're not used to valuing ourselves, checking in with ourselves, figuring out, okay, what do I need in this situation? I realize in the very beginning of this journey, it can be very difficult to figure out what we need. To sum up, going back to that original Brene quote about resting in our story or hustling for our worth outside of our story, what can help us live in our story is not just bringing awareness to it, what has happened previously, but bringing awareness to ourselves in present day, checking in with ourselves and connecting with ourselves. So checking in and saying, okay, what do I need right now? What am I feeling? How am I feeling? What have I neglected today? What do I need to take care of today? Because what that does when we check in with ourselves, it's telling ourselves, it's bringing awareness to my needs are valuable. I am worth meeting my own needs. When we connect to ourselves and we attune to ourselves and our own needs, we can turn around and we can be more available for our children. And we don't have to do this just for our relationship for our children, even though that's precious and really important. We do this for ourselves because we're worth it. Since this can be really difficult in the beginning, if we're not used to valuing our own needs, if we do put others before us very easily, if maybe it's just not in a practice that you have in your day-to-day life of checking in with yourself, here's the practical tip that I want you to walk away with today. I've provided a self-inventory checklist. It's a free downloadable you can go to my website to download it, kayleekuklo.com. You can look in the show notes and follow that link. It's just a printable checklist that you can put on your kitchen cabinets. You can put in your car, bathroom mirror, wherever you spend the most time. For me, it's always the kitchen cabinets where at certain times through the day, you can do this quick inventory. I do it in the morning when I wake up and I usually do it right before I start cooking dinner, like right before the witching hour so that I know that I've met some of my needs. So I'm able to show up a little bit better and more regulated for my children when we enter that traditionally tricky, sticky time for our family. So just incorporating this into a daily practice will be so powerful and just showing up for yourself and giving yourself that sense of worthiness just so important. So for that free downloadable, you can go to kayleekukla.com. It's www.c-a-l-e-y-k-u-k-l-a.com and find that there. Or you can just go to the show notes in the link. Thank you so much for joining me today for the first podcast. We're going to have so many more to come. There's going to be lots of practical tips always for you. Please remember 
You are worth meeting your own needs, not just so you can meet the needs of others, but because you are worthy of nurturing and kindness, compassion, and care all on your own. Please, if you found this helpful, post about it on Instagram, leave a review that helps other people find this podcast. It also gives me feedback of what you love, what you want more of, and you can even share it with a friend. Thanks so much for joining me and I will talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.